Welcome to Unleash. We're all being transformed every day. The big question is by who to become what? Well, as we consider the ways that we're shaped, we're continuing um, a series on a very um, well, messy topic of judgment, which is why this title of the series is The Ugly, The Bad, and The Good. And so you just have to stick with us today. We're going to talk about the ugly, because although we, we generally don't like to admit it, we can all be quick to judge others. And even if it's something that we really value, uh, like we're intentional to try not to be judgmental, um, honestly, it's kind of tricky because it can sneak up on us. I've, I've gone through a lot of training uh, of different sorts to meet people in crisis. And one of the biggest things is learning to meet them where they really are with compassion and care that helps them to move forward. And when people get judged, uh, especially right off the bat, they're not usually open to receiving help. So it, it is helpful to recognize that the truth is we're terrible judges, all of us, because none of us can do it accurately, fairly, justly, and precisely. Really, because we just don't know or comprehend everything there is to be known. So we have a, a limited and inaccurate view of people and situations at the very best. So think with me about the myriad of ways that that the ways people judge each other right now is really tearing at the fabric of our society. And and we see that in big ways, um, things that are happening in the world. Um, we see it on social media. I personally see it all the time when I'm meeting one-on-one -on -one with people um, because the vast majority of them, in some way, their judgment of others or others' judgment of them is causing all this conflict and division and chaos in their relationships and really like lots of deep wounds. So when any of us choose to view others with this, uh, well, we can just have an unbridled judgmental attitude. It, it really stirs up emotions in us. It can make us uh, arrogant and prideful, and it really clouds our ability to see people and circumstances with, with clarity. If we consider that people, uh, it doesn't really matter if they're people that we think of as civilized or, or educated or not, that we all have a tendency towards tribalism. Whether it's conscious or subconscious, humans have this tendency towards separating themselves from um, and can easily criticize those who they perceive as thinking or living or um, valuing things differently than we do. There's a great many people that have been deeply wounded by other people's judgment of them. And it's really shaped them even to the point where 
if no judgment is coming, they can still hear judgment. I have sat with people when I literally just relayed a fact and they started crying. And one woman said, I just have never been so judged, but really she had been judged her whole life. And especially by one of her parents had been really intensely um, critical and judgmental. And so she has a tendency to receive information from people through a filter of assuming it includes judgment. So though we each have to varying degrees and in different situations, a natural tendency towards judgment, really any of our track records for accuracy or reasonableness, uh, it's, it's, uh, well, even at our very best, it's not great, right? So I'm going to guess in, in, when we talk about this subject of judgment, I'm reasonably certain that you have heard somebody say, hey, don't judge me. And maybe they've read, maybe they have or have not read the Bible, but really they are um, attaching this authoritative air to their demand that is in essence telling you, you need to shut up and let them do whatever it is they want to do. So what's interesting is that there actually is a verse in the Bible that says, very simply, do not judge. In fact, Jesus was the one that says those words. But it's not a standalone verse. It's not just a statement that sits out there by himself. It's really important to look at what came before he said that and what came after he said that. So the, the context of Jesus saying that is the longest sermon that was recorded. It's actually well known. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Gospel of Matthew, it, it actually takes up three chapters. It starts at the beginning of chapter five and goes all the way through chapter seven. And if you look at the, the greater context, it says that, um, that Jesus came to teach us um, about the kingdom of heaven and what the kingdom of heaven is like. Meaning, if you are part of God's kingdom family, then this is how you're called to live. And what the things that Jesus teaches in this sermon, wow, it is packed. And really, the things that he says are the opposite of of what any person naturally and it's and instinctively would normally do. The reality is that we have an instinct to guard and protect ourselves, which is not necessarily wrong, except that it's helpful to realize that we do seek to just naturally to get good things for ourselves, to protect ourselves and to really watch out for number one. But for those who belong to the kingdom of heaven, there's been an exchange. You've exchanged the old life and received a new life where you're called to first love God and then love others. And self comes after that. So this isn't a natural thing that we can just do on our own where we muster up the strength and just uh, gut it out. We, we need help from outside of ourselves uh, first in the form of forgiveness and new life that comes 
by belief and faith in Jesus, and then also by the Holy Spirit, who, when we come to him by faith, lives within us. So think about this, um, this order. I mentioned this in the last episode, that the way God always works in people's lives is that he he works in a certain order. First, that he comes to us by grace. And then he says, hey, now that you've received my grace, uh, forgiveness, and new life, here's how, how I'm calling you to live. And then when you live in that way, that there are blessings that follow from living in this way. So one of those things that Jesus is saying in that, in all of those three long chapters, is not to judge because he's teaching about what does it look like to live a life of love as we follow him, right? So if we think about the word in the original language that's used for judge, it's not meaning like assessing the quality of something like a judge at at a fair or some sort of competition and deciding which one is of highest quality, the word judge actually means to condemn. So Jesus is teaching us not to judge and, and even warns us, like as soon as he says in Matthew 7, 1, do not judge, he goes right on to the next verse in Matthew 7, 2 and says that in the same way, in fact, that we judge others, that we ourselves are going to be judged. So God is calling us to receive his grace and then to live in grace with others rather than to be harsh and judgmental with them. So if we are willing to accept that we are terrible judges and, and also that we are called, not only are we not good judges, but we are called not to judge, what should we do instead? So rather than judging others, what Jesus is calling us to do is to treat others the way we want to be treated, to, to meet them with compassion, to um, notice and be attentive and discerning as to real needs of ways that we can um, care for people in very practical ways um, or praying for people, right? There's lots of different things that ministering and caring for other people looks like so for those we see struggling the key is don't judge rather move towards them in compassion with love and grace right if jesus came to teach us what god is like and we we see him meeting people in the midst of the very messy and broken matters of life right Sin looks like all kinds of things, but really it's any of the ways that we try to seek life or we try to form an identity apart from the truth about who God is and what he has done for us in terms of providing a means to be reconciled with himself, right? So he doesn't leave people there, but Jesus does meet people just as they are. He doesn't say clean up and then show up. No, he, he says, come. Like if you're weary, you're burdened, you're heavy laden, like you don't even know what to do. Just come to me as you are. 
In fact, when we talk about judging, Jesus himself said during his earthly ministry in John chapter 3, it's recorded right after he said about how God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave the best that he had, which is giving his son. But it says that God, right after that in John three seventeen, it says God did not send his son into the world um, to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus first time in coming to earth, his, the whole goal of his ministry was not coming initially in judgment. It was coming with hope and help and compassion to meet broken, sinful people, which we all are exactly where we are and to hold out the opportunity of forgiveness and new life. So years ago, I, I read, I don't know if it was in a, in a book or in a newsletter, but I remembered this older woman talking to, she was writing to women and how easy it can be for us to criticize our husband's Um, or our kids, just people we've invested a lot in and we care about. And she asked the question, like, what man crawls out from underneath his wife's, like, criticism and judgment to become a better man? That hit me really hard. And I thought, "What, what do I do when I'm around people that are super critical and judgmental? Do they bring out the best in me? Like, what do people like that bring out in you? I mean, it's probably not the best. It, it tends to make us defensive or angry or we retaliate with our own criticisms. But if you are a follower of Jesus, we know that we are called not to judge and not to condemn, but instead to walk in wisdom and discernment and compassion and not in judgment and in fact we we have a warning to say in fact it's so dangerous for you to judge others that with the same measure that you use for others that's going to come back to you so if I walk in grace I I can be continuing to receive grace but if I receive grace from Jesus and and then I walk in condemnation and judgment and criticism of others I'm kind of like that story that Jesus told the parable about the really wicked servant but I want to close this episode by looking at a, a really beloved passage it's read a lot at weddings it's it's really famous It was written by the Apostle Paul. He was a super intelligent guy, extremely well-educated. He knew all the Old Testament scriptures, and he really had a keen mind for thinking deeply on important matters. And he said things like this. By the way, this isn't yet the beloved passage, but there's a few verses from the book of Romans. So in Romans 2, um, 1, he said, for in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself because you judge, but you practice the very same things. 
And then a, a couple of verses later in Romans 2, 3, he's like, well, do you suppose that you who judge or um, those who practice these things and yet you do them yourself, that you're going to ex- escape the judgment of God? And later on in that same letter to the Romans in chapter 14, verse 10, it says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And a few verses, same chapter, Romans 14, but a little earlier in verse 4, it says, so who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that a servant stands or falls. So if I'm serving the living God, right? If Jesus is my Lord, then who are other people to condemn me? So then in a a letter that he wrote to a different church in 1 Corinthians, this is where we, this is the beloved passage where we get to see what Paul instructs us to do instead of judging. You probably know these verses, but they're worth looking at because he talks about some really big things with regard to love and other things that we see as being important and valuable. He says things like, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm just a noising gong or a clinging cymbal. And he goes on to say, if I can speak prophecies and understand mysteries and have all knowledge and, and faith to move mountains, but he doesn't have love, he's nothing. If he is so generous to give away everything he has and even sacrifice himself to let his body be burned, but if he has not loved, he says, I gain nothing. And then the lines that say, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And then he goes on to talk about how how love never ends, even though prophecies will pass away and the speaking in tongues will cease. And even as for knowledge, it's going to pass away. And think about how often we worry about being right. Like we see something, we assess it, we think we're right. That's all about knowledge, right? But he says that that that's even going to pass away. And at the very end of that chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, it talks about in verse 13, So now faith, hope, and love will remain. They will continue. But the greatest of those things is love. So maybe that's a hint for what we should be doing rather than judging people. We know that we aren't good judges. We just are unable to be completely just and fair and accurate. But what we are enabled to do is to love others. And so in the face of the temptation to look on others with judgment, 
So I want to leave you with a challenge to start noticing the people and the situations and circumstances where you find yourself particularly struggling to walk in judgment of others. Just at least start noticing. And if you're a person who is a follower of Jesus, ask for his help. Ask him to give you his eyes to see others with compassion and grace, not to leave people in in a terrible place, but to just meet them with genuineness and love and acceptance because they have been made originally in God's image and God does love them and Jesus did die so that for the sins of the whole world, longing that people would come to him to find forgiveness and restoration and new life in himself. So I know a lot to think about, but until next time when we look at the bad of judgment. So that's it for the ugly. Until next time.